what is wisdom? Is wisdom the answer to this question? Mm-hmm. Or is wisdom trusting in God Ooh. in this situation? Yeah. If I have trust in God that he's going to see me through, maybe that's more what wisdom is about than which of these options, A or B, is the right it's, choice in a given moment. Right. It's the pursuit of God's will versus the answer to an immediate question. I think there's some relief in that too. If the most important thing is, are we building on the rock or the sand? Mm-hmm. Other decisions from there on out, they're not as important right. as the foundation. Welcome to the Really Real Podcast. It's a shot of espresso for your ears. That sentence sounded way cooler in my head. So here's Anson, Kara, and Isaac. Hey, hey, welcome to the Really Real Podcast. It is episode 68. This is a show where three friends sit down for a drink and some refreshingly honest conversation about real life. Today on the show, Isaac has our quote of the week from Henry David Thoreau on making connections. I have, is it just me? And I'm asking the question, is it just me or are some of us kind of obsessed with discovering and holding new knowledge? Mm. Kara has our panel of experts discussion. She's going to be moderating our discussion on a new creature discovery, Mm -hmm. which I'm looking forward to. Mm -hmm. And then our word of the week for this week is wisdom. So we're switching gears just a little bit from fear in our last episode to wisdom, a little bit of a happier word, I think, this Mm -hmm. week. Here's one question I wanted to ask at the outset. Who is one of the wisest people you've ever met? Oh, and why did they strike you that way? Oh, man. Gosh. I really think that my grandma, who lived to be like 101 years old, was Mm -hmm. a very wise woman. She was very kind and generous with her time with others. And I just think that the time that I spent with her was awesome. I always walked away with something maybe better person. So, yeah. Mm. That's really cool. I think of a particular Bible professor that I had in college. Mm -hmm. And one of the reasons that I think of this person is because they asked so many questions. Mm. And I think it's kind of interesting that to me, a person person that I perceive as wise, I mostly perceive that because of how little they spoke their opinion, (laughs) how little they shared their opinion. There was a lot of asking questions, a lot of helping guide people through Mm. thoughts and helping to discern and parse things, but very much as a guide, not a teller of truth necessarily. And so that's one thing that I don't know, I guess maybe I kind of associate with wisdom. Yeah, that's a good one. I have someone similar in my head, someone who is a spiritual director actually from college days as well. And I've stayed in touch with her off and on. And whenever I spent time with her, she did the same thing. She asked a lot of thoughtful questions mm-hmm. and it always led to these insights where you were kind of like, oh, how did we get there from there? <laughs> and like knowing how to ask the right question requires a lot of wisdom, I think. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. Well, we'll discuss that a little more detail a little bit later in the show. But first, let's talk about what everyone is drinking today. And we got to start with Kara because Kara <laughs> has underwritten this portion. Yes, of definitely. That's right. This today. episode brought to you by Sonic. I am drinking a uh, Coke Zero with vanilla. Nice. That's your go-to Sonic order. It is, especially when I need like a little bit of caffeine, but not quite to the level of coffee. Yeah. Yeah. Coke Zero with vanilla. I am all about the vanilla add-in. Yeah. That's a a solid one. (laughs) It's a good one. 
I'm working with the cherry limeade today because I like to get an edible thing with my drink. <laughs> include both cherries and limes in there. This is true. I, I went with the cranberry limeade because I like the tartness, the little sour sure. like punch that comes yes. with it. Uh-huh. But I do miss out on getting to eat the cherry at the end. Free cherries in here, That's man. Like, it's a great value. Yeah. Maybe I need to ask for a cranberry limeade, but with a cherry but in with it. A cherry. With a side of che- a bowl of cherries. I need my treat at the end. There's no cranberries to eat. That's uh, awesome. All right. What's on repeat this week? Isaac, let's start with you. On repeat for me this week is Reasons by Halvey, Lecrae, and Circina. I'm kind of the opposite of you, Anson. I normally don't really go in on the more sing-songy hip-hop collabs that happen, <laughs> and Circina was in on this one, so initially I had doubts on it. But how can you not get pulled in when it's all the Lecrae? Yeah. And honestly, Circina, too, all in one song. Yeah. You can't keep going at a rate like this, running from your life when you're meant to live. For people like me who are more like avoidance oriented and people who are like, nope, don't want to think about that bad thing. Like those Mm. words are especially good right now to hear, but just a great sounding song. They deal with grief and loss in this. And the video is incredible. I want to, majorly plug the video if you haven't watched it yet yeah it's so good uh, holvey has burst onto the scene in the last year or yeah. two he's a pretty new voice a new artist basically every single he releases does super super well yeah. for us yeah. so yeah. he's been on fire lately my on repeat this week is fire in my bones by seu worship SEU Worship is basically just a college worship band at Southeastern University. They have this worship song, Fire in My Bones, that you may or may not have heard of or sung at your church. There's something about this worship song that I really love. The bridge in particular, I think, is the lyrical content that really gets me. There's a stanza, long before my first mistake, your mercy called me by my name. God, you found me and you'll always have me. Mm-hmm. And I like that line, long before my yeah. first mistake. Like this wasn't yeah. just a reactionary thing that God had to do because, whoops, turns out Anson's a screw up. This is something that was known from the beginning of time and that God had a plan for. I love that line that God found us and his mercy called us by name long before we were even around to make those mistakes and really need that grace. That's so good. My on repeat this week is Pontiac by Matt Carney. Take me back to the Mostly just because it's Matt Carney, let's be honest. Yeah. I, I had mean, kind yeah. of this theory this week that I was like, you know, when I add a Holvey song, I feel like Isaac definitely could go there. Yeah. If I add a Matt Carney song, That's it doesn't really matter what me. it is. Kara's going to go there. We're trained sure. gerbils. <laughs> I mean, I have mine too, so. It's so true. I don't know what it is, but I love this guy. Every song he puts out practically. Yeah, I've been listening to this one a lot this week. There's a lot of fun like throwbacks in it. Just the fact that he's even talking about a he's Pontiac a nostalgia car. machine. He yeah. is a nostalgia yes. machine. That's what it is. He's talking about flip phones and burn CDs. and But mm-hmm. he also like has this recurring theme in his songs about going back to a childlike place in life. Like mm-hmm. I used to worry about nothing. And mm-hmm. yeah. some of his other songs, we used to be kids in the backseat waste in time. It's interesting this contrast between like, okay, now we're adults and the world seems so complicated but he brings you back to a place of simplicity and like, okay, deep breath. I'm just going to sing this song for a few minutes and it's going to be okay. We can go back to like burn CDs and flip phones for a minute. I really like it. It's not necessarily like super deep but as you said, he's a nostalgia machine and I just love all of his music. Mm. Words are in my not so humble opinion our most inexhaustible source of magic. The quote of the week. 
And it's my turn for a quote of the week, serving up a nugget of wisdom to snack on, maybe a few French fries as well. So I'm going to preface this with Henry David Thoreau is one of these authors, novelists and American classic dudes that (laughs) a lot of people who are really into literature are like, oh, I'd love to just have a coffee with this man or have a beer with this person. I could not stand more than five minutes with Henry (laughs) David Thoreau. I know this for a fact. Henry David Thoreau is the most Reddit broiest person in the entire planet. (laughs) Yes, you know. Yes. Okay. So Walden is a really interesting book for me because I had a lot of people in my life recommend it to me for a long time. Mm -hmm. I eventually sat down and read it last year. Reading Walden while you're like isolated at home is a very funny experience (laughs) because throughout the book, Thoreau is like, come on, simplify your life move out into the woods and build a log cabin. It'll be great if you do that. And I'm like, okay, well, I'll just do this. And I'm hating this. So I, I kind of disagree, Henry. But throughout Walden, there's these little nuggets of goodness that I think combat his self-righteousness a little bit. Yeah. That's good. Could a greater miracle take place than for us to look through each other's eyes for an instant? That's one of those tiny little golden nuggets of, oh, man, that's beautiful. That's really good. This guy's journey to go into the middle of the woods and tell everyone really loudly to (laughs) simplify. (laughs) If it all just amounted to that, to preaching empathy, I think that's it was worth it. It's a good, good endeavor. (laughs) So what is it about this quote that is attractive to you? I think that just in a time where everyone is lacking empathy, probably to the most severe degree we have in a long time, the ability to look through another's perspective is so needed right now. Mm -hmm. I think that so many times we log on to social and we haven't had real face to face conversations with a lot of people lately and are our empathy is probably like the least exercised emotional muscle that we have right so now. So true. Could something happen to where we were able to look through each other's eyes for an instant? I think mm. that would change everything. I'm thinking about the fact that at least we can still do this while you're wearing a mask. The eyes are still <laughs> visible. Yeah, <laughs> like, for sure. That sounds like a, I'm just making a joke and I kind of am. But no, also but- one of the things that I found like really difficult and sometimes frustrating during this era is the fact mm-hmm. that like our faces yeah. are literally half covered. Yeah. yeah. And in an environment where I'm trying to meet new people and kind of grow into a new community, it's actually really hard to get the sense of like who a person is and make that connection Mm -hmm. without actually seeing their face. And like it's kind of reminded me of the importance of that. Our Zoom calls, our masked conversations, there's just something missing there Mm -hmm. when you can't see like a person's smile and when Mm -hmm. you can't see the fullness of somebody's expression as they're they're talking with you. There's something about that that makes empathy harder. And so that's what I think of when I see this quote is there is connection that happens when Mm -hmm. we can look someone else in the eyes, in the face and and see someone in the flesh as we're having an interaction with Mm -hmm. them. That's something that has been kind of taken away from us to a certain degree during the pandemic. So true. At the heart of it, it's intimate and great relationships with people are rare and few and far between. And when it happens, it is truly a miracle. Mm. It's it's something to cherish. It's good. Is it just me or it's probably just a case of the Mondays? Am I right? This is where we remind each other that no, you're not a total weirdo alien for that one thing. Or maybe one of us will come up at some point over the next few episodes with one where we really are a total weird alien. That's just you. Yes. So here's mine for this week. I'll take a stab at it. Is it just me or are you obsessed with discovering new knowledge? I might have to explain this one just a little bit because I get that could sound a, a little weird. Sometimes I'm tempted to believe that I'm just one critical insight 
away from solving all of my problems. Yes. So this idea that like, okay, I've, I've got something that I'm dealing with in my life. And if I just find the right article online, or if I find the right book <laughs> or the right social media post or the right person to give me this like nugget of wisdom, then I can solve all of these problems that I'm dealing with. Right. Mm. And so there's this like compulsion to go out and always be gathering more. Mm. I want to go out. I want to gather all of this knowledge, like all of these little nuggets. And I want to bring them back to my vault and like stockpile them up in there <laughs> <laughs> and store them all away. Like they're my precious little things yes. because somehow that's going to make my life better. I'm certainly not saying that reading books or learning from others isn't helpful. Of course, yeah it is. But sometimes I think I get so focused on the gathering of this knowledge or insight mm. that I forget that knowing or learning something is only half of the battle. You know, just collecting knowledge or reading a book about a thing doesn't necessarily fix that thing in my life. Mm -hmm. Most of the time I read the book and I go, Oh, these are some really interesting insights that are really going to help me tackle this issue in my life. And then I move on. <laughs> right. The, the issue book. is still present. Now you just more profoundly understand your problem. <laughs> Basically. Yeah. yeah. Right. Absolutely. Is it just me? No, I have had this problem. I think since I was a teenager, I remember sitting in my room in front of my bookshelf as a teenager going, okay, there's a book that will help me with whatever's going on in my head right now. I don't even know what's going on in my head, but I need to choose the right book. And I'm so overwhelmed. I can't even do that because there's mm. so much I need to figure out. There's so much knowledge, but I know it's here. Mm. I just need to keep trying. And I do this still. I have so, so, so many unread books on my Kindle. It's not even funny <laughs> because I'll just see one on Amazon. And be like, there's the answer. Maybe that's the one. Maybe mm. that's the answer. It's so easy to do because we have access to limitless knowledge practically. Right. And isn't that interesting that we live in an era where basically it feels like all of the information in the world mm. is available to us, yeah. maybe with a click or at least a few dollars. Yet it feels like spinning my wheels though. Yeah. Yes, I am gathering knowledge. I am learning things, but is it practically improving my quality right. of life? Exactly. I'm not sure that it always is. How Ooh. well represented do you feel by Chidi on The Good Place? <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, because that's a good I feel example. Like that character, if anyone hasn't watched a good place. It's basically that he he knows every philosopher, every philosophical concept. But I think that there's a debilitating nature to that. There's a dark side mm -hmm. of mm -hmm. when you have access to this infinite knowledge, you can get locked in this loop of, well, if I just get one more book, if I just read one more thing mm. coming from someone who airs more on the Eleanor side of like <laughs> <laughs> no thoughts, head empty, like shrimp vending machines, <laughs> yes, shrimp vending machines. But really, like that is not something that I can say that I actually deal with. But I can understand, though, like from knowing you guys and knowing other people like this, that I see that like I see that there's this quest for more knowledge that that will fix things. Mm. But so often I want to like grab you guys on your shoulder and just be like, hey, calm down. <laughs> it <laughs> it's is OK. Okay. <laughs> the thing that you're trying to fix with 10 books, you don't have to fix you at all. Actually, it's okay yeah. to not know that. Yeah. The oh, thing that your example so of Chidi makes me think of is the fact that like Chidi knows a lot, but does he really believe anything? Yes. Right. Like that seems to be the disconnect with that character. At mm -hmm. least he has all of this knowledge that he's gathered, but does he really believe in any of it more right. than just knowing it? He's very paralyzed by it mm -hmm. because there's so much and he can see all the sides of it. And right. So he goes into like extreme decision fatigue paralysis because, yeah. well, I have all this knowledge. Therefore, I should be able to choose the perfect thing. 
Yeah. yeah. And so I'm going to sit here until I figure out what that is. And he never does. And this like, isn't at all yeah. something that I see in you, Anson, or you, Kara, but I think that it can lead to research taking precedent over reflection. Mm-hmm. And I, I think reading and doing research on stuff can sometimes be a stand in for when you need to actually spend time reflecting and digging into yourself inwardly. Yes. And I think that that can be crazy because no one's ever going to stop you from like reading another book. Like we kind of <laughs> cherish that. We've made that a good thing culturally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I think that we've maybe like pushed back introspection and reflection a lot in favor of that. Yeah, no, that's a really good point, Isaac. And I actually have seen a little bit of that in myself over the last year. So I've been reading a lot more because Mm -hmm. that's been something I've purposed to do. Mm -hmm. And by and large, it's been very, very good for me. And I've really enjoyed that. But one thing that I noticed is that I'm a very fast reader. I can devour a book like Mm -hmm. in a day if I'm Mm. on it. And I've realized that there's actually benefit to me in reading more slowly. And it's something that I have to very actively force myself to do when I'm Mm -hmm. reading, especially like nonfiction, where the idea of reading this book is to take something away from it and carry it forward with me. Devouring the entire book in six hours doesn't do me a lot of good because I can barely remember what it is that I read. And so I've found myself very intentionally saying, okay, what if I just read a chapter today and then I didn't read another one for two or three days so that I can think about what I read and I can reflect on what I read. And I was even just having, I think, a conversation with Kara the other day about how I've been trying to kind of apply this in other areas of my life too, even Mm -hmm. to like entertainment. Like we were talking about WandaVision and how I started watching it after most of the episodes had already come out. Mm -hmm. But my wife and I very intentionally decided we're going to watch one episode a night Yeah. Yeah. We're going to take at least like two days before we watch the next one. And we ended up having like these really fun conversations between the two of us about what do you think is happening? What do you think is going to happen in the next episode? We sat with the thing instead of just consuming the thing. Yeah. And that Mm -hmm. I think kind of sums up this mindset that I sometimes get into is like, I don't Mm -hmm. necessarily want to sit with the Mm -hmm. hard thing. I don't want to have to sit and like process it and think about it and actually like work out how am I going to apply this? Yeah. Because that's the hard work part of all of it. Yeah. The easy part is just to consume, consume, consume and vociferously read more and more or, or listen to more and more podcasts or whatever. But what is that really gaining me if I'm not stopping and reflecting and applying? You can read the instruction manual a hundred times over, but you still have to build the (laughs) darn Ikea call stab table. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. So here's something that your example from the good place made me think of that I think is really cool is in this world, we have lots of Eleanor's and lots of cheaties. Mm-hmm. And we probably tend to look at each other and think, well, they should be like me or I should be like them, whether it's reading more or doing more. But I think it's so cool that God's put us together intentionally a lot of times yeah. with these opposites. Mm-hmm. Like you're here to balance this out. Isaac. for me, my husband is very much a doer. He's very active. He will actively serve people. And I'm more like, I want to sit and think about it for a while. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like talk about it. But there's value to both of those things. And I think it's cool when we can balance each other out. It just creates this fuller picture of what God intended and of wisdom. Maybe. Absolutely. Yeah. We need people in our lives to say, Hey, let's stop thinking about this. Let's <laughs> go, go do, do something. And <laughs> those people need the opposite as well. Hey, it's yeah. time to take a second and think about this. Yes. So yes. yes, we definitely need each other for sure. Panel of experts. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response, were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought?
They said we could be anything, so we decided to become experts on everything. <laughs> it is my turn to host this week, and this is, is going to be good, guys. Are you ready? Yes, <laughs> I am so ready. Welcome to Creature Feature. Today we are discussing an incredible discovery that is absolutely rocking the scientific community. The Chubby Wubby Dubby is a remarkable creature recently discovered. Isaac just fell out of his chair. Yes, he did. <laughs> recently discovered in Arkansas of all places. It is, well, let me hand it over to the expert to expand on this discovery oh, and, des no. and describe its unique features. Dr. Fluffers, expert zoologist and fluffiness expert, thank you for joining us. Yes, uh, happy to be here. Yes. Please tell us more about this amazing creature. Yeah, uh, the name again was the... Um, chubby Wubby Dubby. Yeah, the Chubby Wubby <laughs> Dubby. <laughs> You know, uh, <laughs> one of the most common animals that we see in Arkansas is the common possum. Mm. Yes. <laughs> I don't know how many times I've been out for a walk through my Arkansas neighborhood and uh -huh. been frightened by a possum emerging yeah. from the woods along the side of the road and crossing in front sure. of me, that's scaring cool. me and then scampering away as it does. And that's why this discovery of this new species, the chubby wubby dubby, is so striking here in Arkansas because this is basically the next evolution of the possum. Oh. A much larger, much fatter possum with shorter legs, a much rounder body, okay. to the point where its belly even scrapes on the ground as it walks. <laughs> the chubby wubby dubby is a much less agile possum. And you may wonder, why would a possum evolve into basically what amounts to a fatter possum? And that's what the scientific community is so stunned by, Kara. That's what we're trying to determine right now. What are the evolutionary advantages of being fatter, particularly <laughs> as it pertains to a possum? This honestly has us quite perplexed, but we're mm. committed to solving this mystery. And is it true that this creature, it's much more fluffy than its oh, original absolutely. counterpart? The fluffy factor is off the charts yes. with the chubby wubby dubby. Not only is it more rotund in general, yes. but the volume of of the fur is simply quite impressive. The first time that we sprayed water on the chubby wubby dubby, <laughs> we realized quite quickly just how voluminous its uh, uh. fluffiness was, because despite <laughs> being very rotund and large underneath the fur, it yeah. still lost probably at least half of its apparent mass oh. uh, upon getting wet. Wow. Very interesting. Mm -hmm. Also joining us today is Dr. Scaly, reptilian advocate and expert. Dr. Scaly, welcome. Upon the discovery of the chubby wubby dubby, your reaction was slightly less enthusiastic than the rest of the zoology community. Can you expand on that a little bit? Yes, I'm slightly concerned that the chubby wubby dubby will be very, very harmful to the local reptilian animalia in Arkansas, <laughs> actually. The chubby wubby dubby feeds on small lizards, mm, and yes. it has me concerned that the chubby wubby dubby will wipe out our snake population. Oh, The chubby yeah. wubby dubby does love warm rocks to lay on, oh. and that also overlaps with our precious reptilian residents in Arkansas. Saw. I'm really concerned that they'll be able to absolutely wipe these boys out. Oh, man. Dr. Fluffers, do you have a rebuttal to those accusations? Yeah, uh, everybody hates snakes. <laughs> <laughs> hey, now. And that's basically all I have to say about that. <laughs> Listen, just because your creature somehow had the gall to be so fat, I don't know that that's a reason to punish the snake population. You know, Kara, okay, the okay. most interesting thing about the chubby wubby dubby and its hunting of snakes is how it actually attacks the snakes and subdues them. Uh. The chubby wubby dubby tends to spot a snake, waddle over to it, and simply lay on top of it. 
crushing the snake's ability to breathe. It's really a fascinating hunting exercise to watch. I'll tell you really? that. Yeah, it sounds like it. He says fascinating. I don't know if you've ever seen a small garter snake try to wriggle its way out from the dense Wookiee-like thicket of fur that is the chubby wubby dubby's belly. These are big boys. They're not easy to get out from under. I had one on my leg the other day. Went to sleep completely in two minutes. It's true. You do have to use some caution around these animals because if they do believe that one of your appendages is a snake, oh. they can be prone to attack it. And Don't you dare insult my small ankles. Attack it. I basically mean, yes, lay on it. Lay on it. Mm-hmm. Well, that was my Which, next... when you're as large as a chubby wubby what? dubby, is clearly an attack. It is clearly. And that was my next question, actually, Dr. Scaly. You mentioned this seemingly harmless animal may actually be a wolf in sheep's clothing for not just your small reptilian friends, but for humans as well. Do you truly believe it to be dangerous? My God, think of the children. (laughs) Think of all of the small skinny children in Arkansas. Imagine what happens if a chubby wubby dubby gets loose on a playground with children. They're not able to outrun them. They're very fast moving for large creatures. The chubby wubby dubby could easily lay on two, possibly three small children, all in tandem, absolutely decimate the local child and snake population. Question for both of you. If uh, someone should happen to come across this creature in the woods or in the city, what do they need to keep in mind for their safety, considering it is a wild animal? Aim for the head. (laughs) (laughs) While I respect the fact (laughs) that Dr. Scaly is... Uh, Looking out for the safety of Arkansans, I would like to point out that there are other dangerous animals, such as snakes, for example, that also serve some good in the larger ecological environment. Mm. So, for example, even snakes, as an animal that I'm not particularly fond of, serve a purpose in terms of ecology and keeping the animal kingdom in Arkansas balanced. Ah. That's exactly what the chubby wubby dubby does as well. (laughs) And so I would say that if you do see a chubby wubby dubby. I would encourage you to keep your distance. As Dr. Scaly said, they are notably quick for their girth. <laughs> However, most older adults should still be able to outrun the chubby wubby dubby. That's I might good. even suggest working on your stamina and endurance oh. through exercise to help you escape these creatures because while they do have a, a pretty quick burst of energy, they tire very, very quickly. So uh. after maybe just 20 or 30 meters of <laughs> waddle running, yeah. the chubby wubby dubby usually ends up collecting collapsing, sprawled on the ground, (laughs) unable to move more for at least six to eight hours. Dr. Fluffers and Dr. Scaly, thank you so much for joining us today on Creature Feature. Without much further ado, I give you the word of the week. Now it is time for our discussion on our word of the week. The word of the week is like a perspective potluck with words and ideas instead of caramel apple crisp. Which is one of my favorite potluck desserts. Very good. It's like a pie, but just in a bowl. Uh Just spoon it right into your mouth. Where can we get some (laughs) of this? (laughs) As soon as we're done, we will have to go seek some out. Okay. And also whipped cream. Ooh, yes, please. Yep. Always. This week's Word of the Week is wisdom. With many of our Word of the Week discussions, we often start out by talking about a definition of what our Word of the Week is Mm -hmm. or what it means to us. Wisdom is something that, like many of our words, seems like a word that you ought to be able to sum up in just a couple Mm -hmm. other words and describe Mm -hmm. relatively simply. And yet, when I attempt to do that, I find that exercise much harder in reality than it is theoretically. And so rather than just say, okay, 
okay, what's your dictionary definition of the word wisdom? I want to return to the question that I asked you guys at the outset of the show, Mm -hmm. which was think of a person in your life who you would say was a wise person. We briefly started this discussion of what are some of the attributes of that person that give you that idea? What are some of the things this person does or does not do that makes you perceive them as wise? And I think that would be kind of an interesting way for us to work our way into a working definition of wisdom. So what are some of the attributes that you would say define a person? person who possesses wisdom. Patience. I think patience mm-hmm. is one of those qualities that if you look at the biblical definition of wisdom and you look at people who are considered wise in the Bible, patience involves a lot of restricting your initial knee-jerk reactions. It mm-hmm. involves trust outside of your own means. It involves trusting God. Patience is one of those traits that I don't know that we're all born with. I think that we have to practice it and exercise. Yes, that's That's a really good one. That's the first word that came to my mind, too, which is is interesting. I think patience. I think I don't this isn't the exact word I'm looking for, but restraint specifically Mm. with your words. You mentioned, Anson, that these people tend to like not say too much. Slow to speak. (laughs) Yes, they're slow to speak and they choose their words carefully. Yeah. Patience with their words. Even that. Yeah, exactly. It's very, Mm -hmm. very much tied together with that. Yeah. Totally agree with that one. Slow to speak patience. It's interesting that a word that at least I would at a very surface level equate to this like sage like quality of always having the right thing to say at the right time. Yeah. Revolves so much around not saying things. Right. And yet I think one other way that we could examine what wisdom is, is to talk about what it's not. Mm. The opposite of wisdom, at least in scripture is talked about as foolishness, Foolishness. right? What defines foolishness? I think Mm. in many ways, foolishness is defined by hastiness. Right. This opposite of the slow to speak patience. Hmm. It's this like quick to vomit words all over the place without really stopping to consider them. Right. And the Bible uses the depiction of running towards they always talk about fools hasten to their own demise or something, or they run to their own destruction. And Mm. I think that that just perfectly encapsulates that impulsiveness of, oh, I see what I want now. I'm going to go get it. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the herd of sheep that's just like bounding along and then like (laughs) runs straight off the cliff kind of thing. It's like, we're so in a hurry to get to wherever it is that we're going. We're not even really stopping to consider it. We're not really thinking about it along the way. We're just moving. Yeah. (laughs) Right. So stopping and thinking and being patient. I think those are all definitely attributes of wisdom. I would say meekness is another Mm. word that I tend Mm. to associate that I think is similar to what we're talking about. And sometimes we can perceive that meekness is weakness uh, in our culture. Mm -hmm. And yet whenever I actually see that trait, lived out by a person. Mm -hmm. It's so counter-cultural that it it can't help but attract my attention to a person. It's compelling, right? Yeah. Right. Because when you see a person who is Mm. meek and reserved and patient and like all of these Mm. words that we're throwing out, like that's just so abnormal. It's not the way we do Mm -hmm. things. We do hot takes. Right. (laughs) Yeah. That's the way we operate is Twitter and throwing our thoughts out there. We have all of these platforms to speak on and to say Mm -hmm. things Mm -hmm. and we feel Mm -hmm. so compelled 
to make use of them. Yeah. What if I zooped for a minute <laughs> right. and just listened? What if I didn't? That's not the way our culture operates. We've commodified having an opinion on everything. And I think that mm. that's the downfall that we could really look at and say like, oh, well, we've disincentivized meekness, calmness, and patience to a point where if you want any sort of notoriety, you have to have a take on everything. everything. A couple of obscure Dr. Seuss books were mm. like yeah. pulled from publication because they had racist imagery in them. Mm. Everyone immediately had to have some sort of take on it, either for or against right. these books. So glad we're finally doing this. I can't believe we're censoring Dr. Seuss and everywhere in between. Yeah. yeah. And I had to sit there and go like, okay, do I have a thought on this that's worth throwing <laughs> onto the pile? <laughs> Who needs to hear it? Right. Like, yeah. Why does my thought on this matter at all? And you have to arrive at this point of, oh, it doesn't. <laughs> like, <laughs> on certain things. easier said than done sometimes. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's really hard. It yeah. makes me think, I feel like this is a historical American culture thing as well. Because mm-hmm. in my head, Americans kind of have this reputation for like shooting from the hip and like mm-hmm. they just say what they're thinking. And like we've kind of owned that mm-hmm. as a culture. That's uh, maybe not a good thing all <laughs> yeah. the time. Yeah, I agree. One thing that I thought was really interesting is in our previous episode, we discussed the word fear. Mm-hmm. In this episode, we're discussing the word wisdom. Mm-hmm. And as I was thinking about this question of like, what is wisdom? And then maybe even further than that, what is the source of wisdom? Where does wisdom begin? What is the like root of wisdom? Mm. If we want to really drill down into the core of it, if you are thinking about that question and you know scripture at all, there's mm-hmm. one verse that's going to come to mind. It's in Proverbs, Proverbs nine ten, and it says the fear of the Lord is mm. the beginning of wisdom. And I just thought it was interesting based on <laughs> the fact that we've now discussed fear and wisdom yeah. that in this one verse, both of our words of the week of the yeah. last two episodes show up in this one place. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Hmm. What do you guys think of that verse? What does that tell you about what wisdom is or mm. isn't? I automatically hear that in a Southern Baptist minister dialect. <laughs> the fear! The fear of the Lord. Of the Lord. The yeah. beginning <laughs> of wisdom. We kind of talked about it last week. Plug for the last episode if you haven't listened yet. Yeah. Fear automatically has this negative, almost run and hide context mm. to it and any other thing but this. And I'm interested in y'all's take on this because I was thinking about this. Mm. The fear of God and the fear of the Lord is being in wisdom. To me, that feels almost like the mindfulness, the dwelling on, the reflecting on, the front of mind, constantly thinking about, mm. not necessarily like a run and hide, be afraid. That's mm. how that That's comes across to mm-hmm. me. The word fear to me in that context, I think of the word respect. Like awe? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like a chubby wubby dubby. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> like a wild yeah. animal. You know, if you were to see like a lion, right? Mm-hmm. Like you use Aslan in, in the Chronicles mm-hmm. of Narnia. They talk about how he as a character is not safe, right? Mm-hmm. They're like, is he a tame lion? And they're like, oh, no, no. he's a lion. Yeah. 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 Right. But he's good. I think mm-hmm. of that when I think about the fear of the Lord of like, mm-hmm. yes, I see the lion and I am kind of afraid of it because mm-hmm. it's powerful. It's a mm-hmm. lot bigger than I am, right? Yeah. If it wanted to hurt me, it could. Yeah. But if what we believe about God's goodness is true, mm-hmm. there's this fear that exists in the sense of, yes, I have a lot of respect for him. Right. My li- yeah. I'm in awe of him, but it's not necessarily like a terror right. kind of fear of like, right. I'm about to be eaten. As we talked about last week, when we're afraid of something, that thing can 
end up becoming our master. We're controlled by it. We're obsessed with it. If we are afraid of the Lord, fear of God, in this sense, God becomes our master. Our focal point. Right, our focal point. Yes, absolutely. Like you were just saying, Isaac. And as we also talked about last week, growing in our knowledge of God Mm -hmm. can help Mm -hmm. us conquer fear. Maybe it's because when we fear God above all else, there's not much left to be afraid of. Right. right. Like, like he's the ultimate thing to fear because he's bigger than all of this other stuff. It makes me think of the conversation and Anson, you and I have talked about this a little bit recently that God has with Job. Yes. Um, and there's a lot in there about wisdom and about <laughs> mm-hmm. even just the fear of the Lord, but God gives him a glimpse of his wisdom, basically like a tiny little glimpse. Right. And it completely dumbfounds yeah. Job and Job goes Blood blows him away. Right, blows him away <laughs> and he goes, "Okay, I was talking about things I don't know anything about." Yes. Sorry about that. To me that kind of feels like what the fear of God is. Like there's mm. this awe and respect and there's this realistic picture of ourselves as mm-hmm. like I'm a teeny tiny human right. and you are God and you understand things far beyond what my little tiny brain can right. comprehend. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. That's that's so good. That book, like it gets me every time that <laughs> I read is that. Hard. There's the early part of the book of Job that we know the narrative part that's kind of easy to read. The suffering. And yeah. then eventually like Job sits down with his three friends and they drone on <laughs> and on and <laughs> on for like I don't even know how many chapters. Way too long. Job and his friends talking back and forth and about nothing. It's just vapid nothingness. Like mm. as you're yeah. reading this, it's hard to even read because it's so boring, frankly. You have the three friends talking and then another guy comes in and he's like, well, I have some things to say. Great. More of this. And then finally God Mm -hmm. shows up and he's like, all right, (laughs) I have some things to say now and you're going to listen. And then all of a sudden it goes from like this vapid, nothing, boring stuff. These chapters where God is speaking to Job are some of the most beautiful passages in all of scripture. It just blows me away every single time I read it. The difference, the contrast that's on display in that book, I think totally exemplifies what you're talking about, Kara. Like it it just paints a very clear picture of the difference between God's wisdom and man's folly. And it's very, very stark. And sometimes I think we lose sight of that. We forget how stark that difference is. Yeah. Even though we're owed nothing, we're given everything. That's the place that I operate from Mm. of like, oh man, the perspective they're offered is okay, teeny tiny. (laughs) And then everything we've been given is just a surplus of what we've. (laughs) It it makes grace and mercy all the more incredible when you understand that contrast, Mm -hmm. when you see like God's bigness on display in comparison to our relative smallness. Right. And the fact that he invites us to like speak to him and puts up with our little I don't know. I just imagine what that conversation must feel like to him when we're, hey, this thing is going on in my life and I'm upset and I'm confused. And he's so gracious with us and compassionate towards us. And you understand this, I'm sure, Anson, as a father with small children, like they come to you with like this disaster in their mind of what has happened that day. And you're Mm -hmm. like, okay, that's not (laughs) in the grand scheme of things. On the cosmic scale, we're we're talking relatively small stakes here. Right. But you don't treat them that way. You're compassionate. But also I care. You care. I think one of the things that I think about with wisdom is the fact 
that experience is an important part of wisdom. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I tend to think about when I picture the word wisdom is age. Mm-hmm. Someone who is mm-hmm. older, older and wiser. We use that phrase a lot. Yeah. Job even says that line, wisdom is with the aged and understanding in the length of days. Hmm. The thing that that made me think of, though, is that if wisdom truly increases with age, how much wisdom resides in the one we call the ancient of days, oh. right? Like there huh. is a scale of human wisdom, right? And as we gather more experience, we get wiser. But hmm. if God has existed for all time, he holds <laughs> all knowledge. The other thing that strikes me about that comparison is wise people hmm. are applying their knowledge to be discerning, right? Mm -hmm. So I I think there's a difference between knowledge and wisdom. Knowledge is kind of what we were talking about in the earlier segment, gathering information, right? So you can have lots of knowledge, you can know lots of things, but that doesn't necessarily give you wisdom, right? Wisdom is the ability to take that knowledge and apply it in some way to some sort of end and to do it successfully. But to do that as human beings, we have to extrapolate. Right. Because we don't know everything. We don't have all the knowledge. Yeah. So we have to take the knowledge we do have Mm -hmm. and then extrapolate that knowledge out into trying to make a decision. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the things that bothers me most is when I have to make a really big decision and I don't have all of the information. It feels like I'm having to take a little bit of a shot in the dark. Right. But that's kind of where wisdom comes in. Can I take the knowledge that I have Mm -hmm. and extrapolate it out and then apply it? And the thing that just struck me as I was thinking about this with God is if God is all knowing, has all knowledge. He never has to extrapolate. Oh, like he never has to take a guess at anything. Right. Because he has all of the knowledge. So his wisdom is perfect in a way that ours can never hope to be. Because at the end of the day, even the wisest people are prognosticating. We're taking a guess. Sure. Right. But God never has to do that. Like he has all of the knowledge and therefore his wisdom is perfect because all of the information is there. So why wouldn't he be able to make the perfect decision every time? Right. And there's some comfort, I think, in that, especially as a human that I feel like is usually wandering around in the dark, trying to feel my way through. And I think that we have a rub with wisdom, too, where if we kind of define it as wisdom is like applied knowledge and applied information. I think that sometimes when we view wisdom as maybe a slowness, a patience, we can get locked into this thing of, well, I'm just being wise about this. And that can lead to inaction. And I think that sometimes at least I misinterpret my inactivity as just, well, I'm being wise and I'm waiting this out when really I'm like, don't want to do something. It's like that decision paralysis that Kara was kind of talking about earlier. I think it's a pitfall that we can sometimes label as wisdom. That's so true. Yeah. You can get stuck in a place of like, well, I just need a little more information. I need a little more wisdom before I make this decision. Yeah. It's tough because life requires a lot of choices from us. There's a lot of choices that we have to make every day and the bigger ones feel really scary because we're having to do that extrapolation. It's one of the hardest things is like God tells us to ask for wisdom and that we will receive it. And so often I think we're like, okay, I'm I'm asking for wisdom. I want to have wisdom. I still don't know what to do with this thing that's right in front of me. Exactly. We assume that the problem will be made easier just because we've asked for wisdom. (laughs) That's not how that goes. It's still a hard decision to make. That's a good point. Well, and it's understanding, okay, like what is wisdom? Like when we're asking for that thing, God says, okay, if you ask, I will give you wisdom. Does that mean that he's (laughs) going to answer the problem that was right in front of us at this very second? Like, or that we're going to magically now know the correct answer? I don't know that that's necessarily what wisdom. Wisdom is. And so are we making a mistake when we kind of equate 
the idea of being given wisdom by God with now I'll know what to do in every situation situation. that I've ever been in. Well, we also just said that like (laughs) with age comes wisdom, the hard moment in your life, you are gaining wisdom in that. That doesn't mean that you have the answer for it in that moment. And maybe that's the point. Maybe that hard experience where you've had to make a tough decision. Is that wisdom you're being given for for later on? That sucks. And I hate that answer. (laughs) 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 But I do think that that's true. I think that's a really good point. Yeah. Yeah, That's part of the answer maybe is this situation. And I think about what we were saying earlier about wise people that we know. If you think about Mm -hmm. wise people, if they're truly wise, they don't pretend to have all the answers to all of your situations in life. Like you want them to. And sometimes you go to them and you're like, tell me what to do. And a really wise person is like, let me ask you some questions. (laughs) Let me like, let's walk around this and observe it. Even that, even the wise people that we know don't just give us what the answer. Yeah, yeah. And they don't shy away from the difficulty of answering those questions. Right. Right, right. Foolish person is the one who comes in and says, oh, this is easy. This right. is the answer. You right? just do right? this. Like, yeah, yeah it's uh, obvious. A wise person is slow to that. And they're saying like, no, this is really hard. Yeah. Like, figuring out, discerning what the right path forward is here is difficult. I'm not sure. Yeah. Is often a really wise yeah. phrase to utter, is it not? Yeah. But that's not what sells right now. And that's not oh, what yeah. gets clicks on yeah. YouTube videos of how to fix your life. You don't <laughs> click on a video that's titled, I don't know. Like, <laughs> that, that's not what we've prioritized in terms of like the knowledge that we trade each other in our culture right now. Oh yeah. So if we're talking about this and it's feeling weird to sort of wrestle with wisdom, I think it's because we've highly disincentivized hard answers right now. You just said like the foolish people are the ones that they say have the answers. Yeah. That's like every life coach on the internet right <laughs> now. True. It's yeah. like, here's five Five simple ways to brammer, brammer, brammer. Like, right. that's foolishness, it seems like, because none of them are saying, well, you're probably just going to have to really think and pray on this. <laughs> like, yeah. That's not what we want to hear from people. Right. And, and I do think it's important to point out that a dismissive, I don't know, is not necessarily wisdom, right? right? So right. it's not necessarily just being like, meh, don't care. Like, yeah. Right. It's, it's a, I am invested in fully thinking through this thing Mm -hmm. and I'm leaning into it. I'm not shying away from it, but I'm also not jumping to conclusions. Right. right? So there's kind of this balance there of Hmm. not dismissing, but also not just coming to an instant coffee kind of conclusion. Which requires a lot of humility and empathy. Hmm. That response right there requires a heck of a lot of humility (laughs) because if you think, well, I got this, like I know the answer, you, mm-hmm. that's when you jump in and give the quick answer, right? Mm-hmm. And if you think, I don't care, then that's a lack of empathy. And mm-hmm. so there's two more characteristics I would say that are an essential part of wisdom is humility and empathy, like yeah. being able to recognize I don't have all of the answers, yeah. but I'm happy to sit with you in this and walk through it with you and help you process it. And let's see together what we can learn. One thing that comes to mind for me is Jesus's parable about wisdom in the gospels. Jesus compares wisdom and foolishness to building a house. And if you think about building a house, building a house requires tons of decisions, right? If you've ever talked to anybody who's ever built a house, they would tell you, I'm not sure I actually want to do that again because Uh of so many choices that have to be made, right? Mm -hmm. Like I have to decide on fixtures and room layouts and finishes and all of these different things. Uh, In some ways, it's almost easier just to buy the pre-existing one and just deal with whatever I'm given right? than having to make all these choices. So I think it's an apt comparison. Like Mm -hmm. building a house requires a lot of choices and it can be 
really overwhelming. Yeah. But just like the proverb that we talked about earlier, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Yeah. Jesus says that the choice that matters, the one that matters most is the one that is made at the very, very beginning mm-hmm. of the house building process. Hmm. What did you build on? Right. What is the foundation you decided to build everything else on? Did you build on the rock? Did you build on the sand? Yeah, that is wisdom or foolishness. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm. So all the choices about the light fixtures and all the things, not that these choices that we're faced with in life don't matter. Yeah. But the most important choice happens at the very beginning of all of these other choices. What foundation are we using as the underlying principle for making all of these other Mm -hmm. decisions that we have to make, right? Mm -hmm. What does it look like to build on the rock? What does it look like to start with the correct foundation? I think that's what Proverbs 9.10 was getting at. Like the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Trusting in God, Proverbs helps us out again with Proverbs 3.5, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding, mm-hmm. right? Fear of the Lord. That's what that is. Yeah. I think is trusting God with all of our hearts, leaning not on our own understanding. Mm-hmm. When we start to lean on our own selves as yeah. our foundation, as our source for wisdom, mm-hmm. all of the other decisions that we make from that point forward are going to be off. Oh yeah. Right. For because sure. we're, we're yeah. starting from the wrong point. Yeah. So mm-hmm. that's why the, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It's the source of wisdom. Mm-hmm. And if we don't have that foundation, right. Right. We're going to get off track really fast. A bad foundation. No good. No bueno. (laughs) And and I think that leaning on our own understanding is so, so big because I am the most impatient person I know. Mm -hmm. And I can tell you every time that I've jumped in with what I think are my best answers, it always just goes completely south. So Mm -hmm. yeah, like that building a house on a rock is such a powerful idea you've got to go slowly. You've got to go methodically. You've got to, it's the harder path, but in the long term, Mm -hmm. it works better. Right. And it Mm -hmm. brings me back to this thing that we were just talking about a few minutes ago of, okay, when I am faced with like big life decision and I don't know what to do and I'm asking God for wisdom and I still don't know what the right answer is in this moment, should the light fixture be black or brown or whatever? Yeah, like, yeah, exactly. right? Like, yes, it, it, these decisions matter. I'm not saying they don't matter, but when we're asking God for wisdom in that moment and we feel like we're not getting like the answer, mm-hmm. yeah. maybe what we have to return to is like, okay, what is wisdom? Is wisdom the answer to this question mm-hmm. or is wisdom trusting in God Ooh. in this situation? Yeah. yeah. If, if I have trust in God that he's going to see me through this thing, maybe that's more what wisdom is about than being able to discern which of these options a or b is the right it's, choice in a given moment right. it's the pursuit of god's will versus the answer to an immediate question but yeah. we get impatient and we go yeah, yeah just but also what a but or b also, but like, also yeah coming right? back to that god. Yeah. also silver or brass exactly <laughs> but i i think there's some relief in that too anson if the most important thing is okay are we building on the rock or the sand mm-hmm. then like you say other decisions from there on out they're still important but they're not as important right. as the foundation. They're, Take a breath. Right. Like, There's a little less pressure ooh, there. Like, it's going to be okay. Hey, yeah. you're going to be all right. If you choose silver for the light fixtures, like you probably, <laughs> at probably least the house gonna... isn't going to fall down when the storm comes. Exactly. Right. And light fixtures can be changed. Yeah. Right. Like that, that's what I think about this metaphor. It's, it's like yeah. my, my dove head first. This is literally something that's happening in my house right yeah. now. Like no, we yeah. have a house that's about like 15 years old. And after 15 years, 
years in a house, styles start to change. Yeah. Right? And no matter how stylish the house was mm-hmm. 15 years ago, yep. eventually it's going out of style. Right. And yeah. so my wife and I, we've been going around and changing light fixtures and doing yeah. some updates in our home. These are not end of the world decisions. Mm-hmm. Like these are not things that, oh my gosh, if I get this wrong, my life is forever ruined. Yeah. Right. There's only one of those decisions mm, and yeah. that's the foundation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. And so that's when good. we get the foundation right, yes, I do think you're absolutely right, Karen. It removes so much pressure yeah. from all of these other choices. If trust in God is there, yeah. it doesn't mean that I'm going to make the perfect no. decision every time because I'm not God. I don't have all the knowledge. Sometimes I prognosticate incorrectly, mm-hmm. but when I do, I have the solid foundation to fall back on. Mm-hmm. Right. The house is still standing. Right. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. <laughs> okay. So I didn't know anything about Caitlin's crow rentals before they became a sponsor of the podcast. And as a way to familiarize myself with their service, they went ahead and uh, sent me a, a ton of crows. So the gist of this is that Caitlin from Rogers has a lot of trained crows and she really wants you to know that she's willing to rent them to you at a reasonable hourly rate. Um, this includes needs for birthday parties, anniversaries, whoa, goth weddings, uh, goth birthday parties, and it just says here, intimidating your rivals? So I guess give her a call at 800-GIVE-CROW. She doesn't have a website listed on the copy here. It just says, call or beckon. Ow! Okay, now it's time for fill in the blank. Instead of drawing a blank, we are going to fill one in. Mm. How about this? Blank is an attribute of wisdom I would like to cultivate in my life. Ooh. Mm. What is one attribute of wisdom of the many that we discussed that you would like to better cultivate in your life? Patience for the love of Bob. Patience. <laughs> Going back to that word. That's a big one for you. Uh, I need it. I need patience. Mm. I don't know what the right word is exactly, but what we were just talking about, basically moving forward, making a decision, knowing that it's not up to me to make this perfect decision, like moving forward with trust. Trust Does that make is sense? the word that was trust, like yeah. seeping into my head yeah, as yeah, you yeah. were saying that. Yeah, I guess trust is an, mm. a huge element of wisdom for me. Mm. And the um, results of that would be instead of paralysis, right. I'm able to move forward. Yeah, that's so good. Trust is not a word that I would have equated with I, wisdom at the beginning of this discussion. Yeah, no, that's me very good. And yet I feel like, man, that's that's right at the core of it. Yeah, it's maybe the core of it. Uh, silence. Ooh. quiet. I'm a verbal processor and sometimes <laughs> that really bugs me. <laughs> I like to think out loud mm. and I think sometimes I'm pretty hasty to do so. Mm. And yeah, I so admire quiet people. Huh. And, and I mean that both like verbally and also emotionally and oh, not, not yeah. that we can't feel not mm-hmm. that we can't, you know, but just people who are quiet, there's something comforting about yeah. a person who is quiet and calm Yeah. And it's really appealing to me and something I want to cultivate in my life. Another thing I want to cultivate in my life is caramel apple crisp. Yes, Yes, please. Let's go. Let's go do that. (laughs) Thanks for listening to the Really Real Podcast. Get more content or air your grievances in the Real FM Insider Facebook group at real.fm slash insiders. It also happens to be where the best memes on the internet live. Because Isaac... Tune in next time to hear Anson, Kara, and Isaac say six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Ah, ah, ah.